HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Juul, the immersion circulator for sous vide by Chef Steps. Order now at chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn, every Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly 1245. Uh, actually, we're really on time this uh, yeah. today, right? Yeah. You're crazy. We got uh, a lot to go through, some good, some great, some terrible. Uh, if you have questions... Uh, Call in your questions to 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128. Uh, on the show, we have, as usual, Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. I'm good. Good. We have uh, Dave slash David in the booth. How you doing? What up? I'm good. Uh, we have a special recurring guest and uh, a secondary tasting panel. Because uh, for those of you that listen to the podcast regularly, Nastasia literally doesn't care about coffee merely because I do care. <laughs> really, definitely not true. It's Very the only, much. it's the only real reason. Uh, so we brought a uh, lover of all things taste related uh, and uh, coffee as well, and also an expert in coffee techniques that I am not. Uh, we got uh, Paul from Popular Science. How you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I've had a lot of coffee already. Yeah. Really so uh, you know, and you can tweet him out at at pot dot pot dot. No, it's at, at pot. At Pops I Eats. Oh, at Pops I Eats. Oh, Pote is your... On Twitter. Twitter. Or you can email me at my secret private email address that just gave out. Uh, yeah, nice. <laughs> Strength. And we have uh, now, uh, I'm not sure uh, his title, but we have Kale... Kale? Kale. Kale. Kale Fries from Sudden Coffee, correct? Correct. Uh, and what's your title over there? I'm definitely not chief coffee officer, but... Yeah, I have solo coffee. I'm co-founder. Are you on the engineering side? Or are you on the production side, the tasting side, the money side, the bro side? There's two of us, and I have a numbers guy, Josh, who's very much numbers guy, and then I handle the rest. So, much. so you're more production engineering. All right. So uh, he, uh, he's on the show today because I think you're probably here for the coffee festival we had in New York this weekend, right? Yeah. yeah, which I went to. We could talk more about that later. But we had a number of people actually uh, tweeting on in and I think asking even whether we had tried uh, this uh, 
sudden coffee, uh, and so we're going to try it in, in a minute. You want to go over what the – you've had this like – how did you start? Were you a Kickstarter situation? What were you? We – well, I started working on it about a year ago. So sudden coffee is instant coffee that tastes really good. Right. That's the, Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention. What it is is – is instant coffee that's supposed to actually be good. Now, is it taste like coffee or it's just good in its own right but isn't the same thing as coffee? Well, we think it's pretty good as, as coffee. That's definitely what we aim for. Okay. So it's not a third product? Not really. I think we're, what we want to be doing is creating another way, like alternative way of drinking good coffee. It's not meant to replace brewing coffee ourselves or going out to a coffee shop, but rather just help you drink good coffee when you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Yeah. Yep. So uh, now your main competitor then is Starbucks still selling that Via thing? What's it called? Via Condios? What the hell is that called? Yeah, yeah, Via. 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 Whatever. Yeah, I mean. Why would you choose something that has alternate English pronunciations? It's, it's a good question. Via, Via. If you, you can, you you can, can hire you can hire a very expensive brand agency who will tell you that that it sounds sophisticated. I guess. Do you think it sounds sophisticated? I don't think so. When Starbucks th- is also the company that has special names for sizes of coffee. Right. Do you know that back in the day I used to get into arguments? I, I, I think they've become much more flexible now. We might have talked about this years and years ago, Nastasia, but you would actually appreciate this because this is the kind of thing Nastasia would do. I'd walk in, I would like, I would like a double espresso, and they're like dopio, and I would say double, Why did and they you call would say, me? yeah, they would say dopio, and I was like, no, I would like a double. <laughs> like it would just, I would see how long I could keep it going. And it used to be basically forever. They would, they would just they would go like, W, and then go make it. <laughs> and hand it to me. And I was like, uh, and, you know, and, and, and there's no need to go into, like, what the hell tall means because it has no meaning. But, um, yeah, I don't think, I don't like things that sound like, especially via sounds like via duct. Yeah. Or, and duct work doesn't sound like something I want to drink out of. Or, or Viagra. Oh, that well, that probably that's that's a good. You know, uh, I also said this in the air before, but my son Booker, who's now fourteen, so it would be incredibly inappropriate for him to say this. But when he was a little kid, he used to say, "I'm going to put batteries in my penis." When he was a little kid, before he knew what it meant, and I thought that would be the best Viagra slogan. It would beat the hell out of like all of these like Cialis and Viagra things. If the, if a dude just walked up and was like, "Yo, put batteries in your penis, Viagra." Boom. And then walked away. How many would that sell? Because batteries, you know, has the, they're kind of, you know, you put some batteries in, it becomes like a mag light. Mm. You know what I mean? It's very strong. Very oh, strong. Yeah. It can shape the pills to look like little batteries. Like little batteries. Yeah. Is that it's, how it works? It's got the energizer. It's got the energizer reference. Anyway, I think it's genius. And my son Booker has a promising future as an ad. Uh, exec, I think. Mm. Anyway, so back to um, back to sudden coffee. Before we taste it, I have uh, other stuff to go through. But so explain the process. What makes this different from uh, Viaduct coffee or Folgers, which, as Nastasia believes, is the best part of waking up? That is definitely not true. <laughs> okay. Uh, before I go there, I think a little bit of context is sort of important. Uh, I would be extremely skeptical if somebody came on our air and, and said that this is. Isn't coffee that doesn't suck? Um, my background, I've been working in coffee as a barista for like 10 years. Right. Won the Finnish barista championships twice, and I was ranked ninth in the world last year. Ran a couple of coffee shops in Helsinki, um, also ninth best coffee taster, I think. And, and basically what I, to me, coffee is a really concrete, great way of making somebody's day better. And I want to make great coffee as easy and fun and accessible as possible. And I was really frustrated by how unscalable doing a coffee shop is. 
So decided to close that about a year and a half ago and started figuring out what would be a more like a better way to make good coffee happen. And I studied food science at University of Helsinki, so had a pretty good idea of instant coffee and why it sucks. And first of all, for those of you that don't know, Finns have one of the highest per capita coffee consumptions in the world. True. Uh, but you also like traditionally drink it. Uh, some people in, drink it with grounds, so you also have like strange health anomalies due to high consumption of grounds. Is that not true? Yeah, and especially sort of. There's a lot of theories about basically the cholesterol, or like cholesterol uh, increasing um, effects of drinking also unfiltered coffee. Yeah, but the vast majority is like drip coffee. Yeah, but you're like you're that much kind of people that you're like I just drink the grounds. I just that's it. Who needs a filter? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You know uh, Nils Norin, my friend. Uh, He's you not ta- Finnish. What? He's not Finnish. He's Swedish, but he has Finnish jokes where like you're you're drinking with a you're drinking with a Finn, and the Swede says to the Finn, "Skull," and the Finn says, "Are we here to drink or to talk?" So you talk more than most Finns, I would expect. I know that's why they kicked me out. <laughs> and, and I thought I oh, it's a benefit benefit in the U.S. Yeah, nice. All right, go ahead. So like you like you've said more than the entire country of Finland. Pretty much. All right, nice. Yeah. Okay, good. All right, so go ahead. So basically what you're saying is you have credentials. Now what? Yeah, so instant coffee is, is liquid coffee that's dehydrated. Right. And usually the big companies that are making it now have the intention of making as much of it for as little money as possible without really caring how it tastes like. Although it is a technologically sophisticated process, right? It is, extremely. Like evaporation, recapturing, rejoining the solids with the, theoretically with the aromas, yeah? Yeah, theoretically. But, I mean, if you, like... If you taste it, it uh, doesn't taste great for what's been out on the market so far. And that's because they essentially start with like really cheap, crappy coffee that nobody else wants to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, take that, roast it, and they extract it twice, which like blew my mind when I first heard about it. I mean, they actually like steep it twice to make two beverages, like a, like a, like a small beer and a lot, like, like, like rewashing. Yeah, but even more. So they extract it at like normal temperature. It was called the aroma extraction. So at about like 100 degrees Celsius for, for whatever time. And normally out of coffee, you can extract about 30% of the mass. So that's like water-soluble part and rest is cellulose. It's the grounds you dump. But what they do is that they, so they brew it wine once and then they brew it twice, second time at like 15 bars pressure, um, 180 degrees Celsius uh, for hours. And what happens is that pressure is Yum. that the hemicellulose changes and becomes water soluble and you can go from like 20% extraction yield which is the stuff you extract which is what you normally want to do to up to 60% which makes a lot of sense if you want to get as much stuff out of there out of the bean for as little money as possible well does that also do they need the increase in in other words like would an alternate technique if if they weren't looking for pure number of extraction does the hemicellulose help in bulking later is that another reason why they do it could they add another solids bulking agent or is that it's it's partly for that. So they what they do after that is they basically combine them and then essentially boil it down, so right. evaporate. Vacuum dist- distillation, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then same most, like for orange juice, right? And most of it is spray dried. So they actually use that sort of the the added solids. It helps in the spray drying. Right. They don't have to add malto. Right. They don't right. have to add maltodextrin. Now, but the, but from my impression, there is a vacuum distillation run, then a spray dry. Right, then a recombining and then an air drying or something like. There's many steps. It takes a lot of steps to make even crappy instant yeah. coffee, right? And I don't even know like what else, like all the stuff that goes into a factory. They right. haven't shown me one, uh, but but there's a bunch of stuff going, and then it's like spray dried, so dried with hot air, 
Um, and it's not definitely a great way to preserve any flavors that might be in there or aromas. But they've already de-aromatized it at that point for the most part, yeah? Most part, yeah. Yeah. So they actually, once you have the dry coffee, they spray some of the coffee aroma and oil into that ground to make it smell and taste fresher. Right, right. But, I mean, to me, this like, whole thing doesn't make any sense. Like, wh- we were thinking that what if we... What if we just started with the best possible coffee you can find, right. extract it really nicely, and dehydrate it in a way that really preserves all the flavors in there, or as much as we can? By the way, I've never tasted instant coffee. What? Really? Never. What's wrong with you? Uh, why would I do that? Well, it, I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, have you tasted it, stuff? Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously. What about you, Paul? I believe I've tasted it. It doesn't really. I've, I think I've. I, up any uh, we used to have it in my house when I was growing up because my mom would use it in cake recipes. Right. Yeah. Well, should we try some now? Yeah. Okay. So, but before, like, what's your technique? Can what's, I get milk and sugar? Whoa. Uh, you can, David but I will stare at you strangely with my busted up eye. Uh, yeah. Actually, uh, David, can we can we get some? Because otherwise, Nastasia's going to hem and haw the rest of the day and say that I'm a bad person more than normal. <laughs> yeah, we'll humor her. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so what's your tech? Are you using straight freeze drying, or what are you doing? Uh, kind of. So we like we started as a look. We're a San Francisco-based startup now. So we started as as this famous startup guy called Paul Graham, who says that do things that don't scale. Like first. Get, get a product done. And See if you like, can make something you like. Yeah. Right. And if somebody wants to pay you that before you figure out how you scale that. Right. So we started by having myself in a garage in Zoma neighborhood uh, with a single group espresso machine pulling a lot of espresso shots mm-hmm. that we then uh, kind of filtered and took through our process and, and essentially freeze dried. Okay. Now, one of the problems with espresso in general, uh, I'm sure you're familiar, is that um, it's, uh, it's uh, like like changing constantly on a chemical basis the minute it's pulled. So like a cold espresso, even as carefully rewarmed as possible in a completely static environment with no anything, just changes over time. Or espresso keep in, keep kept at a constant temperature will change drastically over time, even if it's sealed. So it's not just simply a volatile loss, like it's actually changing as it's sitting there. More so the, than drip, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, drip is also changing, but that's like on the order of a couple of hours if it's kept properly, right? I mean, radically changing versus espresso, which is like changing radically quickly, no? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in drip coffee, you have the, the biggest change is, is the stuff called chlorogenic acids that start breaking down Thank and you. constitute to that like bitter, nasty, sour taste. You let's like you. your air pot taste. Yeah, that's what Nastasia likes the most. Love. So if you don't have that, she's not going to like it. I'm, I'm sorry. We like I, I can deliver you a little bit of oxygen, like um, oxidation, yeah. but that's, that's about it. Yeah. So you know, Nastasia like prefer. Actually, that's weird. She likes really good wine. I was about to make a jug wine joke, but she actually likes really good wine. So. <laughs> With milk and sugar? With yes. milk and sugar. And remember, she, her first food job, I think, real food job, was with Cesare Casella, who, will, who would put ice cubes in Dom Perignon, given the choice. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, he can do whatever he wants because he's Cesare Casella. You know what I'm saying? Some people have earned the right with their palate over time to do whatever in the hell they want. Yep. You know what I mean? Okay, so you're essentially freeze-drying, right? Yeah, but we do a bunch of... Other stuff to it, which is there some I, sort of patent involved here, or is it a trade secret situation, or what? It's more like a trade secret situation. Okay. Uh, I will mention this, uh, not knowing a coffee is notoriously difficult to capture as a distillate. I don't know whether anyone out there listening knows that, but the uh, aroma of coffee very hard to capture and keep in, especially in a non-alcoholic situation, virtually impossible uh, to get a decent thing. And I think it's because so much of uh, 
so much of the coffee character is in the is in the, a larger molecular weight crap that's left behind in the cup. So, uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, we've actually been like one of the interesting parts of this working on this is that I get to to geek out about stuff like this, yeah. and you can certainly capture some of the aroma, um, but it does not. So yeah, it's true. Like a big part of it is sort of a heavier molecular weights that you just cannot heavy enough that you cannot extract them, like uh, distill them out of there, which is really interesting. Yeah, and sort of all the like the dimensions you get in the flavor. All right, so I, 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 actually, this, this is what we'll do. Why don't we taste this coffee, and then we'll 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 talk about the coffee thing, and then after the break, we'll come back as though it was the beginning of the show, and I'll talk about the other stuff I was talking. Does that make sense? We'll just stay with coffee. We're going to stay with coffee we'll all stay with day. coffee. No, no. I have stuff Go I have to do. I have questions I have to get to, and I have also... You'll stay around, and, stay uh, around. Kyle, and we'll talk about... Okay, so let's taste it. How long is it? How instant is instant? It's sudden. It's very sudden. Oh, yeah. Now, how, now what's it? Sudden. By the coffee way... Coffee when you least when, Whenever... It. You're really working with SpaceX? No. Oh. That was our April Fool's joke. These cups aren't warm! <laughs> Satan! Have- uh, enemies of quality all around us. Feel that, stuff. Feel that. No, I see it. You, Nastasia <laughs> is frightened of cups that have like grit on the outside. So, Dirt grit, yeah. No, I think it's the, the dishwasher. Oh. Grit. Oh, you want me to lick it and find out? No. See whether it's, just do this. it tastes like. Why did you decide to start with espresso rather than drip? Oh, oh, what's up? Goodquestions.com? It's, it's a good question. Uh, it, <laughs> I mean, it's literally only the the concentration, really. Like, there's nothing intrinsically great about espresso. Yeah. Just the fact that what? There's nothing intrinsically great about espresso. What? Correct. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean. Uh, well, I mean, so drip coffee would have a concentration of about 1.5%, like 1.5 to 2. Yes. So it has 98% water, whereas espresso has roughly like 10% coffee solids and 90% water. So when you when you can only like basically dehydrate, some amount of stuff um, makes a lot more sense to dehydrate espresso. Do you do you sell it in these tubes? Yes. How do they? How many come in a tube? How many when you buy? You can you can choose. It's like between eight and twenty four mm. cups. Now, have you caught up with production? Because apparently, you can't buy this stuff, right? Yeah, we're like the biggest issue has been producing enough. So we're now we're now really working on scaling up the production. Is that hot enough? That water? That should be good. It's not like boiling. You don't want to have it boiling. I'm hanging you this, and then I will get this. So we'll be scale up like caught up in production in by end of October latest, I think. I think Nastasia likes dumping the coffee out. Let me take a look at it. <laughs> My eyes are really bad for reasons I'll discuss later. Dave, you want to take calls in this part of the show or wait till later? Yeah, let's take calls, especially if they're related to... Wow, coffee. that was sudden. It is. Wait, can I use the sudden thing as a stirring device? Oh, you, Nastasia, why don't you make yours first instead of handing one to Paul? Oh, you did. What? How are you doing? <laughs> so what I'm doing now, I just have a brown powder in the bottom of the cup and pouring water and you get a cup of coffee. Which smells like, like coffee. Do we uh, do we have a caller related to coffee or anything else? Uh, we have a caller. I don't know if it's related to coffee. Right, let's caller. take it. Over. Let's take caller. You're on the air. Ask me any question about coffee, along with whatever the question you were going to ask. Okay, I have no questions about coffee. All right. I'm sorry. That's okay. I don't drink coffee. Really? Uh, wow. I like it in ice cream, though. Well, you're the opposite. I know of you're me. warm about that, Dave. Yeah, so, you're, you're the opposite of me. You know, exciting coffee is really awesome with ice cream. You just mix it and it becomes super, super. Awesome. Do but, you work for the company or something? Anyway, so let's go. Go ahead with your question while we're making the last cup of uh, sudden coffee, or last two cups. Go That's your question. Yeah. Sir. All right. Yeah. Uh, you, guys are, uh, you guys are a little blurry there, but um, I'm going to give you my, my question here, which is, it has, has, has to do with ice cream. Uh, by the way, this is Brian in New York. Oh, and 
my, my question has to do with making basil or any kind of herb ice cream. Because I've seen a bunch of different recipes. I've tried a few. I can't figure out which is best. Um, some say heat up the base uh, and then blend in your, uh, your herbs. Others say just do a cold infusion with the base. Some say do a cold infusion in milk. Um, I'm wondering kind of what, what the best, uh, best way to get the best flavor is. Um, without uh, getting any of those those off notes. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I can't. I've not. I can't remember if I've ever. Like, how how soon do you have to? Uh, how how soon do you have to wait before you turn it? And what you're churning? What what are you using to churn it? Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't have any of the herbs on me right now. No, no so, I mean, I don't mean that. Know, but like, what kind of weeks. what kind of machine are you I, using? I tried it, but are you um, doing Paco? Or is are you... that what you're asking me? How soon? No, no, no. What, what kind of machine are you using? Oh, what what kind of? Yeah, just one of those freeze in the bowl uh, kind of machines. Right. Okay. So here are the issues. Right. If you want it to not go nasty, once it's frozen, it. It, the sad part is it probably will continue to go nasty because you're going to be hyper-concentrating the enzymes in whatever's left of the liquid phase. But it'll also happen uh, – I don't know what will win, whether the concentration will win or whether the reduced temperature is going to win in terms of uh, m- making it stay uh, uh, nice. I think that the correct answer is not going to be um, – is not going to be blanching it because then you're not going to get any of the kind of uh, fresh uh, flavors that you want. Uh, if you were going to use something like a Paco Jet, I would just freeze the leaves whole and then Paco Jet it down, but you're not going to do that. Um, you could uh, do uh, you you could blend the herbs in like a um, a little bit of like high proof ethanol and then use the high proof ethanol blended herbs in with the base and that will it will mess with your freezing point depression slightly but the the, the um, <clears throat> I believe that the um, alcohol should help uh, de, you know denature the polyphenol oxidase enzymes and a little bit of ascorbic acid but not enough to mess with your uh, not enough to mess with your um, Milk, milk would be would be helpful uh, in that as well. But I wish I had more personal experience working on it because basil ice cream is a thing you see, so people must know how to do it. Is anyone in the chat room, David, uh, giving me anything? Uh, one sec, let me check. I'll see if anyone in the chat room chimes in with anything. Obviously, for just punch color without going brown, but it won't have fresh flavors. Dried herbs, I know right. that dried mint will stay uh, green because the drying process gets rid of the polyphenol oxidase enzymes. Uh, Nothing in chat. They're just talking about Starbucks instant coffee. Well, tell them to get on it and go to the chat room. And we'll th- I'll think about it. I'm sure someone will call in or tweet me and tell me what the correct answer is, and we'll read it out on the air next time if we can. Okay, great. So uh, definitely not blanching. You're okay. anti-blanch. I'm not anti-blanch unless – I'm anti-blanch if you want the flavor of fresh basil. For that, you should read uh, Harold McGee's section on pesto in uh, The Curious Cook, wherein he tries various different techniques for keeping uh, pes- pesto nice and green, one of which is blanching, which is deemed poor in terms of flavor. Yeah, I don't care about color. I care most about flavor. Hmm. Well, um, yeah – but the problem is color and flavor are linked. The brown notes, the brown color is linked with oxidized flavor in those situations. Brown notes? Brown notes, yeah. Ooh. Brown town. Yeah, the, uh, which is where we were going with coffee. Anyway, I'm sure someone will tweet me the answer and we'll, and we'll figure it out. 
Speaking of singing uh, Broadway musicals. All right, thanks. Oh, thank you. We'll, we'll get you the answer. Not this week, but we'll get you the answer. So, like, Broadway musicals, the entire morning, this morning as I was getting ready with sudden coffee, I was singing Suddenly Seymour to myself. I don't know that, Dave. Suddenly Seymour. You know that song? Paul, do you know yeah. that, he loves, that he loves musicals? You know that he's like a musical. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's great. I forget her name, but Little Shop of Horrors with Rick Moranis. Disappointing he wasn't in the uh, in the recent uh, uh, Ghostbusters reboot. Were you one of those anti-Ghostbusters reboot people, Paul? You strike me as 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 could either be one or not. I was not one. I was not anti. Not anti. Why were people so anti? Women. I think it destroyed their childhoods. Women were anti. No, I think because women were playing the roles. Yes, the new Ghostbusters are all women, which <laughs> destroys the childhoods of people who saw it growing up, in which the original Ghostbusters were not women in some way. Is that, is that, is that actual truth? Yes, that's what I've heard. That's yes, it. Dave. Thank God Paul's here, because you'd be like, I don't believe you. I didn't say that. I just didn't know, I didn't know the, uh, the answer. Well, every single living Ghostbuster was in that movie, with the exception of Rick Moranis. Who's like known nah. misogynist? Rick Moranis? Mm-hmm. For reals? Mm-hmm. What? Paul? Was what? he not in the movie because of the women in the movie? Oh, that's why. I thought you had some actual information about Rick Moranis. You're like he wasn't in the movie, therefore he hates women. <laughs> the St- that's, a th- that's the problem, people working with Nastasi. You never know whether she is just like saying something that is actually backed up with information, or whether she's just blowing smoke up your. You never know. Never know. All right, so let's talk about this. What do you think, uh, Coffee Man? I like it. You, well, Nastasia likes it, but that is not a vote of confidence, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so mean. It's got a lot more body than I would expect from an instant coffee. Why is that? I think it's a it's a variety of things. <clears throat> the I think ideal flavor balance we find is a little higher concentration than for a regular filter coffee. Mm-hmm. So instead of like 1.5, it's closer to 2, yeah. which just gives you a little more solids. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also... So originally I thought that it would be just like the same coffee that we use, but not so interesting version of it. And now I think it's more of a, just a different kind of representation or different brewing method in a way. So you... Lose some of the acidity through the process. Yeah, it's not a very acidic hit. It's also not very bitter. It's not very bitter, yeah. So, I mean, we, what, we, what we try to do is get a coffee that's really sweet, is really balanced, and, like, nicely sort of big-bodied, and low acidity and low bitterness. But what's interesting is it, it almost tastes like an espresso profile, but as a drip, as a drip water balance. Right. And the cool thing is that you can also drink it uh, with higher concentration like espresso style if that's how you like it can you make us a 10% one sure heat up the water again though uh, what was the name of the of the actress she was so awesome in Little Shop of Horrors in the movie yeah she was so awesome I don't remember the movie I like yeah. the anyway theatrical version well of course you do you you know born raised New Yorker you know weaned at the theater okay uh, so uh, all right, so so Nastasia likes it, which, as I say, is not. By the way, Nastasia's brother, so like, it can be on the air. He can pull up a mic. I see uh, him and his fiance are sitting there in the wing, just staring into the glass. Yeah. It's so it's so weird. <laughs> Your whole family lurkers, Nastasia lurkers. So, when do you think you're going to be uh, up and running with production? We're, I mean, we're like all hands on deck working on it. Uh, where it's getting better all the time, and by early October, we should be at sort of much much better point. David, you a coffee man? 
Love coffee. Well, why, why didn't he Why say didn't you so? get a cup and try this stuff? Because <laughs> i got to make the wheels turn here. Oh, now you have wheels and this guy keep on turning going through my head. <laughs> All right. By the I way, I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. By the way, Dave, it's uh, Ellen Green. Oh, yeah. Double shot. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so... Uh, do you want to do a break and then come back with your Let's do a break. Stories? Yeah, I'll get come a coffee. Back. We'll come back. Coffee yeah, break. Yeah, Dave will get us some coffee. Nastasia's brother will come in, and we'll, uh, we'll pretend like the show is starting again with a uh, with whole, new, whole new set of like, questions and answers. Okay, coming back with Cookie Issues. This episode is brought to you by Joule, the immersion circulator for sous vide by Chef Steps. If you're listening to this show, you're probably a pretty good cook. Maybe you already know that sous vide is the best way to get a kick-ass, juicy steak. And with Joule, a new sous vide tool from Chef Steps, you can do so much more. Smoky tender ribs, homemade yogurt, creme brulee, bright crunchy pickles, vibrant purees, even smooth creamy ice cream, all perfectly cooked every time. Joule is sleek and small enough to fit in your kitchen drawer, and it's operated by an elegant smartphone app that's been designed to remove the guesswork, get you cooking faster, and give you the information and inspiration you want when you want it. Browse Chef Step's amazing recipes and helpful guides. Choose your perfect doneness for any meat and get notified when your food is ready. You know you'll get great results, so you can focus on sides and sauces or just pour yourself a cocktail and chill until you're ready for a delicious dinner. For more information and to order yours now, visit chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. And we're back. What's up, Stas? All right. Uh, over the break, we tasted some espresso strength uh, sudden coffee. It was espresso strength. Obviously, yeah. no crema, not an emulsion. You know what you need to sell is you need to sell a uh, little, um, like a frothing device. So you can be like, you could do it espresso strength and then go <laughs> and like froth some air into it. Right. What do you, you don't like that idea? No. Personally, what? not a crema fan. Oh, in general. No, but why do you not like crema? Because you've tasted it separately and it's a different constituent because it's coming out mainly at a other part of the extraction, right? Is it you don't like? What is it you don't like about it? It's really bitter. Well, it is, but is that because of what? Is that because that it is frothed or is that because of when it's happening during the shot? Have you actually tried frothing your product and does it taste bitter? So, what I think about crema is that crema is basically a foam where you have basically like oils, proteins, and just like physical, like unsoluble parts of the coffee bean. And I think it's those, mainly those kind of uh, bitter, unsoluble parts of the bean that are just so fine that they go through the metal, metal filter that make it more bitter. Right, but, but hear, hear me out here. If you're looking at, a, if you're looking at like a machine profile on crema, right, the, the way that it used to be said was that lever machines produce a lot less crema but have a lot better, they have a lot, some people like the flavor profile of lever machines better, and the reason is is because they're pushing less water through at the end because the pressure is dropping as the spring goes down, right? As right. the spring, right. So you're getting less crema on that because you're pulling out less at the end. At the end is when that like last floating stuff and you're extracting that stuff out, right? And that's why the crema is bitter because that's where it's coming from. Whereas we all know that espresso has higher foaming capacity than regular coffee when you're making regular drinks with it. So merely the fact that there is foam on top isn't necessarily mean that that foam is bitter. It's where the foam is coming from in an actual regular produced espresso shot, right? Or could be. 
which I go back to my other question. Have you actually tried foaming your product to see whether you like it? I actually haven't tried just, like, foaming the, the whole thing. But it, I, like, I've tried shaking it, and it doesn't sort of produce... Like, if you try making a frappe out of it, it doesn't, right. doesn't like, oh, really? shake or, like, foam quite as... Like, it doesn't foam the same way as Nescafe. Again, a Nescafe, like, you've lost me. Yeah, but, like, but like in other words, like, if I was to take this product... Nastasi's like, don't rank on my stuff. <laughs> don't rank on my garbage. Uh, so, like, but if you were to take... Uh, if you were to take an espresso shot, right... Let it cool in a cup. Take you know some sudden coffee to the same uh, the same extraction density, right? And then you were to add milk and shake with ice. Would the bever- would the regular espresso foam appreciably better on the shake? Probably would, but that's also so. What we do after we brew the coffee, we uh, in a way do a filtrate, which literally reduces the amount of crema and removes some of those undissolved solids. That personally, I don't enjoy in the coffee, and I like we want to have removed. Right. You could sell those to Dave, yeah. right? Look, well, no, I actually like lever shots best. Like, like when I've had side by side, same barista, same beans, uh, same grinder, like same espresso machine corporation. Yep. Lever, uh, that's actually when I say when I've had it was one time it was Vittorio Arduino I had one of their uh, levers versus their not and their lever machine I was like oh my god I love this shot. Have you mm-hmm. had pressure profiled? Yes, we could talk about that okay. at the end of the show. We'll talk about the coffee. Uh, we'll talk about the coffee. You know that I built my own pressure profiler like years ago with a with I, I shunted I shunted out my Procon pump with a uh, with a ball valve and was able to profile pressure, but it sucked because I had to reach underneath my counter and then put my head up to look at the gauge to see where I was going. But I could I could dial between a hundred percent bypass, so zero pressure, and then all the way up to. Um, nine bar and then just go anywhere in between but it was, it's real touchy like throttling pressure sh- with a ball valve like that is is touchy because it's not linear anyways how did it taste great like like one out of eight shots i was able to get like a pretty smooth ramp from you know like uh like full spring pressure which it's been a while but it's like it was like 100 and like the, right when the spring releases is like 100 and I think 50 PS. I don't know what in bar. And then it goes down to well below or maybe less, maybe eight and a half bar. I don't know. Anyway, but it goes down to well below a normal thing at the end of the shot because obviously it goes down. So I, I was able to get decent shots that way. It was just so much of a pain in the butt. And then I was going to try to build one with a servo that would do it. But then eventually I didn't do it for many years and eventually it became like a thing. But now a lot of people, like I was talking to the La Marzocco people uh, yesterday, in fact, and those guys were like, people are so worried about all these variables, they don't even control, like, the most important thing, which is the dose. They don't even control the dose. Yep. And so they're like, all this pressure profile stuff, whatever, great. He's like, but the fact of the matter is, is that now temperature profile, everyone's got temperature profiles going where, like, Ranchilio's new machine, they can do a temperature profile. In fact, one of their temperature profiles was they start it colder in the beginning and end hotter, which is the weirdest thing ever because you're, pr- like – intentionally producing a tart shot right so you start with your extraction at a low temperature you're sucking out like a very acidic shot which like the only people i know who make like yeah it's not it's like a it's purposely acidic shot but i guess some people like it right kylie what do you what do you say about this you yeah. were at the show you saw this machine right oh yeah um i mean i think it doesn't make any sense i don't really believe in the temperature profiling uh i mean it does make sense in the sense that if you have colder coffee in the beginning you might like absorb more energy and you might might want to have a higher temperature in the beginning and then basically like ramp down yeah but i wouldn't ramping but, ramping but the other way up around doesn't make any sense, sense to me like it's not gonna 
it's a different thing having like a sour or acidic, and that's only gonna make it like sour, like yeah, yeah. very unpleasantly, like like tasting a citrus. Right. It's not gonna. It's not gonna make it like whiny or more Kenyan tasting. Definitely not. Yeah. And I, I do mean, you I, like that crap in espresso? By the way, do you like those like African acidic whiny notes in espresso shots or no? I guess not. <laughs> I'm tasting your coffee, so I guess not. Right. Well, so the thing is that, so this is an Ethiopian coffee called Bokasso, and it is a lot more acidic in the beginning. And we're, I mean, we're still very early on. We're working on preserving more of that acidity through the process. Uh, but we start with something that's kind of more acidic. Um, so we have... Oh, because you, it gets blunted by the process. Yeah. So if you taste this against any other instant coffee, it's actually a lot more acidic than than anything else, but it does not taste that acidic compared to, like, a drip coffee. Right, 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 right. And, I mean, personally, I prefer more... Uh, I was kind of very sort of acidic profile, but now I prefer more, like, just a bit more balanced, sweeter approach. All right, so since you're an espresso guy, where are we... This is also something I was discussing with the La Marzocco people. I thought we were going to talk about this after. Oh, well, one more second. I can't stop I can't stop. I can't stop myself. Coffee. This, this, okay, gee... Jeez. Okay. So, where are we in the uh, where are we in the espresso volume wars? Are we coming back up to normal shot volumes, or are we still with these like skim cup crazinesses? I think we're coming back to like normal volumes, like one to two ratios, like one part coffee grounds to like two parts coffee in the cup. So, we would use something like uh, twenty gram dose of ground coffee and like forty grams of coffee in the cup. In like two thousand one, like. People were like, I'm using 16 grams. And they're pulling, like, what would now be, like, a long shot. And now, and then, like, it's gone. But you're, you're coming somewhere in between, huh? Yeah, well, I mean, so, like, uh, 10 years ago when I started in coffee, it was, like, super ristretto. So, like, using the same, like, one-to-one. -one, like, using a ton of coffee and then having yeah. very little coffee in the cup. Yeah, like, like oh, oh, 06, 07, stuff like that. It was, like... It was literally... Yeah, they were filling triple baskets. And then, like, you know, I was like, where... Where's the where's the coffee? Right. You know what I mean? It's like... Which, I mean, I think is really bad. Like, what, the most important thing in coffee is sort of the extraction yield, which is how much stuff you extract out of the grounds. And the more water you use, the higher extraction yield you can get because you have the same amount of coffee but more water to do the job. Um, and so at some point, like a couple of years ago, it went to the extreme, like people using 20 grams of coffee and like 60 grams in a cup which in some ways can be very enjoyable. It's a, it's a different type of a coffee. Um, but I think now it's, it's somewhere around like the, the sort of closer to regular. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, I still make it more like you would have gotten in 2001 because I guess, I don't know, that's what I like, but whatever. That's me. Okay, now hold on. Now, off coffee for a minute and we can go back and coffee later. Dave, what happened to your face? Well, okay, I, I got many things. Before we talk about what happened in my face, uh, should I do the face first? Yes. No, 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 I'm not going to do the face first. Let's, uh, face let's, first. let's, take, a, no, let's take a minute. Uh, really uh, sad news. Um, on Friday, uh, Dorothy Can Hamilton, the founder of the French Culinary uh, Institute, now the International Culinary Center, uh, died in a car accident in her beloved Nova Scotia. Uh, and I don't really know the particulars of it yet. I don't know because, you know, they, they just publicly announced it, I think, on um, Sunday night, I think, or something like that. Right, Nastasia? Um, yeah. So, you know, Dorothy, uh, she was the only person in the car, uh, as far as I know, the only person killed in the car. She um, founded the French Culinary in, like, 1984, hmm. right? Uh, it's around the same year, actually, that On Food and, and Cooking came out. 
and you know she was kind of the force behind uh, a lot of what was good about culinary education in the United States for many many years. Uh, she uh, gave me my first real job in the in the food world. Uh, you know when I was the director of culinary technology there for years um, with Nastasia, uh, and uh, yeah, so. You know, it's not. She was not sick. It was not nothing. It was very terrible, terrible news. Uh, and my heart goes out to um, to her family and to the whole community at the ICC. Um, yeah, it's terrible news. So, anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. We should have done that right before the break, I guess. Yeah. Now I don't want to talk about anything. Yeah. For a minute, but yep, we should have. We should have, or we should. And uh, uh, I, I never handle anything well because I'm <clears throat> a moron. But um, yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people have gone through that school. She affected a lot of people. Most recently, she did the um, she did the uh, expo at Milan, the food expo at Milan. Uh, so just you know, stayed uh, super in it, super active. You know, one of the things I was there, she wrested control away from investors and got the school back. And yeah, she was just a uh, you know. She was a she was a force to be reckoned with, Dorothy. Yeah. Anyway, terrible, terrible. So on to uh, on to well, how do you transition from that? On to what I was doing uh, last week. I was in uh, Catalonia last week, uh, giving a talk at uh, Alicia, the Alicia Foundation. You familiar with this? Yes, Paul. You familiar with this, Nastasia? No. Alicia is the cooking foundation. I think it was founded by uh, Ferran and the El Bulli people, or it's founded by the Catalan government, and he uh, he helped out with it. But it's in the middle of this town. Uh, it's near a town called Navarclas because I can't pronounce the other one. The other town is something literally like Fruity Bags. It's like Fruity Bags, but it's in it's in Catalan, so I don't even know how it's like Fruit de Bage or something like this. And Fruity Bags. That and sounds it, correct. Fruity Bags, and it's in and. I was there, and actually, interestingly, I was doing a demo for a bunch of uh, uh, olfactory scientists, and I was using the actual centrifuge that was the first one that Ferran had used. And by the way, not nearly as good as the one that we used to use at the French culinary. Boom, stars. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the flip side is he got his new. So, you know, he didn't have to clean all the rabies out of it like we did. Right. Yeah, it wasn't sprayed with, like, CSI juice like ours was. But the uh, also, I used the actual rotary evaporator that uh, that the Rokas used to do their oyster uh, distillate way back How in was the day. It? Uh, no comment. No comment. It turns out that rotary evaporators need quite a bit of maintenance to have them uh, work properly, and it wasn't set up. Like, it was a pain. So, like, literally... I, and they know it. Like they're like, you know, we don't. They, they don't really do that kind of work anymore at Alicia, but they have all of the the stuff left over. So I was like, okay. So I went to go use it because I was doing. And actually, this fits into a question. There was someone who asked about not sweet honey a week ago, uh, and uh, I commented that I, I can't remember whether I had done a honey distillate. But when I went there, I was supposed to mess with uh, olfaction, right? And when I use gymnemic acid, gymnemic acid is the, uh, <clears throat> is the material that knocks out your sense of sweetness for about half hour. And Nastasi's done it. You've done it, right, Paul, with me? I never have. You never have? No. It tastes terrible. It tastes, like, it tastes like, like the bottom of a rodent cage. It's awful. And, but you swirl it around, and then for like half hour uh, or more sometimes, you can't taste anything sweet. So white sugar tastes like sand. Uh, every, it, just, it just knocks out everything. It's completely unpleasant. But it's, we use it to teach... <clears throat> Um, 
kind of what sugar does to texture so you can just remove the sensation of sweetness. And it knocks out artificial sweeteners. It knocks out the effect of miraculin. So, you know, it ruins that party too. Uh, it, it, uh, it knocks out brown sugar doesn't taste uh, sweet. Things that smell sweet to you, but, but like candies, things that you associate with sweetness, uh, don't taste sweet at all. What does brown sugar taste like? Sand. With a no, little like, bit of a butterscotchy hit, uh, but the uh, melting sand. But honey still tastes sweet. And so I distilled honey there and served them honey distillate with none of the sugar, and they all agreed it tasted sweet. So there's something about honey that we perceive as sweet that's not that's olfaction-based, that's not having anything to do with the sweet receptors because your sweet receptors <clears throat> are totally wiped out by uh, genomic acid. Interesting. So, so that's going back to the question that Andrew asked uh, last week. So anyway, so while I was there, I also did some oldies but goodies. Uh, I used to do, I did a thing years and years ago uh, called the cheese course where I would take wines. I would take like three sweet wines. I would take off the brandy on a rotary evaporator and then reduce them down to about 60 or 70 bricks so that they were like a syrup that had never been heated and then serve them both with uh, cheeses and an array of like, you know, array of toppings. Uh, and uh, so anyway, so I did one of those cheese courses. So I had to... Uh, evaporate the stuff down and the rotary evaporator was a little bit leaky so I couldn't get the stuff that down but they had a vacuum oven so I ripped the vacuum oven apart and like put a cold trap built a cold trap on the output of the vacuum oven because it had a really good vacuum pump then stuck the stuff in a vacuum bag and taped it to the interior of the cylinder of the vacuum oven and was able to get all of my product down to 70 bricks in the vacuum oven and I was like I had to go to a lunch when the lunch was over, I had to go get the stuff out of the vacuum oven. Now, all of Alicia is like all this glass. It's all glass everywhere. Glass walls, glass doors, just gla- freaking glass everywhere. And like, I guess for like uh, HVAC reasons, they staggered the door. So you have to go in one and then you have to turn and go in another. And then the kitchen's there, but the kitchen's all glass, all glass. And so like this thing, I, I don't know, I thought it was a freaking door. And uh, and when I walk, I walk fast, especially when I'm going to get something. I don't run because you don't run in the kitchen, right? You walk fast. I walk fast and boom, right into the glass, like right into the glass, like right on the point of my forehead. Because when I walk, I walk with my head slightly down and slightly turned to one side. It's my kind of thinking mode. Stas, you've seen that a million times, right? Slightly down and slightly to one side. And so I hit right above my left eyebrow, like like boom. I didn't pass out but I, I did one of those like I did one of those like sumo squats down and it was and like just stayed there for like frozen like in like uh like a, a like, fr- like you know like you can't see because you're on a radio but like one of these it, it does look like a I've never squat. seen you from this angle before Dave has a very low center of balance yeah yeah I, you know you get down because you know, it's like the horse stance in karate. Like, you know, like a hurricane's not supposed to blow you down. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, if you want stable, you go down, you go wide, and you plant like this. You know what I mean? Anywho, so I was it's like... not to actually hit the floor when that happens. Yeah, because if you hit the floor, that's just amateur hour. You know yeah. what I mean? But they, so I'm there, and I'm squatting down, and this has never happened to me before. I was like, I could feel my head inflating. Like, that's how fast the edema was building up in my head and so I was like oh man and so I was also staring down on the ground waiting to see if I see the drip drip oh, yeah. drip of blood no blood because the glass so smooth glass so smooth I tore a little bit so there was a little bit of blood later but it inflated you saw the original pictures Nastasia. it was like I had 
embedded a grapefruit under, not grapefruit, orange, under my, under my eye socket. And then the next day it was kind of totally glued shut. But the entire conference heard it. So even the guy giving a talk at the time, like a room and a half away, was like, Oh, man. <laughs> what was that? You know what I mean? And, like, and like the people standing near me were just like, ooh. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know that look that you have when you don't really know what's going to happen? And when I went to the hospital, it turns out uh, Catalonian uh, medical care, vastly more efficient than U.S. medical care. Vastly more efficient. I was in and out of that ER in, like, an hour and ten minutes, like, on the dot. Uh, and... Uh, we, you know, we ended up all laughing because I didn't break any bones and uh, anything. And uh, I was lucky I didn't hit my nose. I had just been to a talk the day before where the guy mentioned that if you break the, your nose in the wrong way, it shears all the nerves from your, old, from your olfactory nerves into your skull, and then you lose your sense of smell. So I was like, at least it's not my nose. And, uh, and so I'm there, and the guy, I have, like, I have uh, Chef Jaume, the chef from Alicia, who has brought me to the emergency room doing the translating, and he says... The doctor says there is no cure for loss of dignity. <laughs> and so then, he, then, like, the first day when I went back, right, I just had my kind of, like, elephant man face rocking it. You know what I mean? And people were just, like, not eating as much as they should have been eating. And, like, you know, like, you know, you, again, this is radio, but this look. <laughs> yeah. Across the table from me. So then I started wearing sunglasses, and the next day, even though I literally looked worse with this big, giant, pussy, weeping, like, eye blob, people were like, you look so much better today. So I was like, it turns out, when you mess your face up, people like it when you wear sunglasses. That's just the truth. That's why blind people wear sunglasses. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, so, uh, so, that, so uh, that's, what, uh, that's what happened to me. Okay. Um... Anything? I feel like other things have happened. I feel like we've had... Oh, hey, Paul. Paul asked me before, because uh, Paul also... Did you ever ha- end up giving your Breville induction unit back? Or did, I, told, I gave it back. Why the hell would you do that? I told him that you were going to steal that. Nope. Anyway. My conscience I, weighed on me. Uh, I gave it back. For real. All right. Oh, by the way, Paul, for those of you that don't know, Paul is like Mr. Drone. Would you say you're Mr. Drone or more like Captain Drone or like Admiral Drone? Are you more of a naval drone? Mr. Drone Jr. Mr. Drone Jr. He has like a collection of drones. He could he could take over a small village with his drones. I have several drones. So I... Uh, Are you on board with Dave's... Uh, I haven't told him. I'm about to tell him. Really? My worst, my meanest yeah. idea of all time. Yep. So I'm at, I'm at Governor's Island a couple weeks ago and I see this kid flying a kite. Right now, is there anything more oldie, timey, awesome America? Everyone dreams that their kid is going to do running in a field with the grass, flying a kite. Right? And I was like, what if you just sharpened the props on a drone and you were on the other side of a hill and you're just like, and just cut the kite, just cut the kite? Wouldn't that be the worst thing ever? That would be the worst thing ever. Worst thing ever. Let's do it. Yeah, but like the thing is, is like it's the kind of thing that you would want to do so you could see the look on the kid's face and then press a button and rewind it and never have it happen to the kid because you don't actually want the kid to like lose their kite. And Nastasia was like, the kid's flying the kite because his dad is making him fly the freaking kite. Kid doesn't want to fly the freaking kite, right? Yeah, that's true. Nastasia, do you not like flying kites, Nastasia? Not really. Do you? She had a bit of problems with tangling kites. Ooh, you're a kite tangler, huh? Were you trying to do those stunt kites? Stunt kites no, don't work. Stunt kites are sad. Stun- Why are stunt kites sad? You need a friend to do stunt kites, don't you? Oh, and neither of us had those growing up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
Old Nastasi and I, we, finally, after all these years, we've shared a moment. Yeah, this is the first time we have ever shared a moment oh together God. for any reason. So on, uh, on uh, back to the uh, induction burner, I found another good use for uh, accurate induction burners. Ready for it? Yeah. Roux. Gumbo. Gumbo roux. Dark roux. Because, like, otherwise, you know, like, you have Alton Brown, but you like, can't put it in the oven for, like, an hour. Who wants to do that? If you have an accurate induction, you can just make a roux right on the thing. Like, stir it once every never. It doesn't ever burn. What do you think? Good application, Paul? Sounds very good. Do you like roux? Do you like gumbo? I love roux. You don't like gumbo? I love gumbo. Okay. <laughs> I, th- I was about to lose it for a minute. I was like, what? Okay. So. Uh, <clears throat> you have, like, three minutes. Okay. Dave, well, what's happening with your bar? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, good one, Paul. So uh, <laughs> this has turned into, like, a very different cooking issues than normal. So on October 15th... We're here today with Dave. Yeah. We're going to ask him some questions. Uh, on October 15th uh, will be, we'll be uh, Booker and Dax, the current Booker and Dax bar's last uh, service. So Som Bar is going to close uh, temporarily, and they're going to remodel... And when they're done remodeling, they will have taken the Booker and Dax space and absorbed it Jabba the Hutt style into the renovated Sambar. So there will be no place for us. Uh, it's, it's sad because there was nothing wrong with the bar. The bar worked fine. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but we're going to we're hopefully going to reopen soon. Uh, I have no date uh, as yet planned because it's all part of negotiations that are ongoing that I can't really discuss. But there's. I'm, I definitely plan on reopening, uh, reopening a Booker and Dax as soon as uh, I can because I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. Bigger and better. Uh, I was, I would aim for smaller and worse, but uh, it's always kind of my goal is like smaller and worse. But you know, if I have to go bigger and better, like if smaller and worse is not an option, then I yeah, bigger and better. But. Um, you should trademark that while you can. Smaller and worse. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's like when I when I walk around the city, I'm like, damn, like slow and stupid wins the race. If like if the people around me are any indication, slow and stupid wins the race. Race to the bottom. Yeah, like it's like uh, honestly, like like that whole hare and tortoise thing is such garbage, right? Like first of all, like fast and steady wins the freaking race. Dave, you fast got like, and steady. You got like two minutes for this rant, by the way. All right, well no, I'm not. I, I'm not even going to get into it. It's like I hate all of those all of those things, like uh, the airport stuff. Which airport stuff? Just going through customs. What's the deal with airport food? Oh, 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 no. I had really good. I was so kind of, I, you know, I had no idea because I hadn't heard about Dorothy. So I wasn't like depressed about that at that point. But like my eye was inflated like a freaking baseball. I have to fly in cattle class back from the thing. So I'm in the airport and I see this like awesome like jamon like in the thing. And normally I'm like, I can't take that back to the, to the U.S. I'm like, wait, I'm just going to buy some really expensive freaking ham. And I'm going to eat it on the freaking plane. All by yourself. All by myself. Now you have another song going through my head. <laughs> That's Daz's favorite. You like that one? I heard you sing it, and you're, I heard it like vaguely. But anyway, so yeah, so I bought I bought that, and the lady was like, "You can't take this back to the U.S." And I'm like, "I'm not gonna. I'm gonna eat it." And she was like, "Oh, nice." I didn't say it. I, you know, I was like, "Particle mint." And then I walked out. You know what I mean? I put on my sunglasses on. All right, hold on, hold on. So. Uh, one minute, Dave. Oh, my God. Wait, so we had a question on uh, rice, and I don't have time to get to Quinn's question on rice. Um, Quinn asked me about he, was, uh, he or she. I don't know. What do you think? I thought it was she. She. So she was cooking rice and uh, had a problem where uh, the rice at the bottom of the pot was mushy compared to the rice at the top, rice at the top. So 
I want to answer your question, and I had about ten or fifteen minutes of rice uh, rice information to like start spewing in a rant, but I don't have the time to do it. So what I want from you, I'll do. I'll spew that stuff, including the awesome uh, article I read, the impact of pre soaking on the flavor of cooked rice by E. T. Champagne, best author name ever, E.T. Champagne, writing about the flavor. And interestingly, the answer is that pre-soaking rice, although we do it, seemed to have a negative flavor impact according to the, this document. So you should read that. Another document uh, I perused for you was the formation of cracks uh, in rice during wetting. But I need some more information from you, Quinn. What kind of rice are you cooking? For instance, uh, I want to know exactly what kind. So some rice is harder to cook uh, without the bottom going mushy than others, like certain like jasmine rices. I need to know what kind of rice you're cooking, and I need to know what quantities you're cooking because you might just need to move to a wider pan because a lot of times when rice is mushy on the bottom and not on the top, the issue is, is that your depth of rice is too high for the cooking method that you've uh, employed. So send me back some more information on what kind of rice you're doing, what quantities, what size pot, and we'll tackle your question next week on Cooking Issues. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.